Glory to God. We're in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 17. <clears throat> we are in the right place tonight. Hallelujah. It wouldn't be better at the Dairy Queen. Hallelujah. Even if you were eating at the fanciest place in town, it wouldn't be better than the food that God's going to give us tonight. I'm, the title to tonight for tonight is Exposed to Miracles. Hallelujah. And Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, or is inspired, or arisen, arisen or awakened by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If we're going to have faith for anything, then we have to hear it. Doesn't matter what it is. Healing, finances, or miracles. Hallelujah. And uh, hearing... Hearing produces faith. Specifically, hearing on miracles produces faith for miracles. Sometimes people, uh, you know, are believing God for healing. In fact, I read this in a, um, what do you call it? a daily devotional, I uh, think yesterday or the day before, where uh, they said the minister said, uh, now you need to be hearing the word of God for your healing. And I mean, if you need to be, if you're going to, if you're believing for healing, you need to be hearing the word of God. And he said, oh, pastor, he said, I'm doing a thorough study on the book of Revelation every day. And it, you, how many of you know that just won't produce faith for heal, healing? Now, it will produce faith for end times or something. I'm sure it produces faith for something. And there might be a couple of scriptures in there that could actually produce some faith for healing. But overall, just doing a thorough study of the book of Revelation, hallelujah, I think most Christians should stay out of Revelation. And, you know, you're not, Revelation's the kind of book that you're not going to stop it. It's a coming. It's coming down the pike. But some of these books, uh, we, we, if, what, what we do with them depends on whether we have it or not. And so, um, and you know, it's always funny because the most immature Christians that need to know the whole Word of God always go for the book of Revelation. They do. It's like, what? You don't know 1 John 1, 9. And you're looking at Revelation? How in the world would you ever understand Revelation? You've got to have a foundation of the whole rest of the Word before you can understand Revelation. I think that's why God put it last, don't y'all? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> but, we, but Pastor does that now. He go, I'll be reading a book, and it'll be so good, and I'll be on the last three pages, and he'll pick up my book in the morning while we're drinking coffee and start reading at the back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he reads the back of the book first. And, you saw, <laughs> and I'm telling on him. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But, no, but he eventually reads the first of the book. But I have to start at the first, and I read the introduction and the foreword and the credits. And, the, you know, I have to read all of that. And, you know, you're amazing, the revelation you just get out of the foreword. Mm-hmm. For you, middle of the book, back of the book, scan, jump all over the book, scanners and all that. You know, anybody like that? Anybody want to admit to that? Okay. I thought y'all were alike in a lot of ways. Myron does that too. Okay. Hallelujah. <clears throat> How many of you are underliners in your books? Oh, you're good people. You're good people. 
Hallelujah. I, I go back and then when I want to preach on something, I remember, oh, that's in that book. You know, I don't have to read the whole book to find it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just, I start reading all the underlying parts and I get to it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so hearing produces faith. And if we hear about miracles, it'll produce faith for miracles. Faith produces miracles. Without faith, you know, sometimes people just think miracles are just going to happen if God wants them to. But we need to be using our faith for miracles. Do you all agree with that? Turn over to Galatians 3 and I'll prove that to you. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, using your faith for miracles. How, how many of you, have, I don't want you to raise your hand, but ask, I'm going to ask you in your heart. How many of you have prayed and believed and talked to God about miracles recently? Hallelujah. I hope so. Hallelujah. Because that shows you're having, you're exercising faith for miracles. Not just for yourself, but also for others. Hallelujah. Galatians 3, uh, uh, verse 2. It says, Galatians 3. Um, I might all start in one for clarity. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only, now start in verse 2, this only, what I learn of you, and he's going to ask a question, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Which one? Hearing of faith. Number three, verse 3, are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Yes or no? No. Verse 4. Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if, ye, if it be yet in vain? Verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? By the hearing of faith. So miracles has to involve our faith. We have to hear about miracles in order to have faith for miracles. And that would explain why a lot of times people don't get a miracle. Because they've never heard anything that brought faith for a miracle. You know? Okay. So... Um, we, we want to have that faith for miracles. And so then, so we want to be exposed to miracles. Then I want to go down to another thing the Holy Spirit, oh, the Holy Spirit said to me, exposed to miracles. And then he said on another day, he said expecting miracles. And I thought about how do I get where I'm expecting miracles? And we need to have an expecting, hallelujah, an expecting. In Acts 3, 5, we see a man. Y'all know this man. You've read about this man. Acts 3, 5. It says, uh, and this is, uh, you know, this is the song, you know, we sing at Children's Church. Peter and John, uh, what was that? Hmm. I lost the words. I went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Y'all remember that song? No? He stuck out his palm and asked for a nom. And this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Hallelujah. And then it goes, he's walking and leaping and praising God. And you're supposed to walk and leap and praise God. He's walking and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We used to sing that in the scripture song days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it was, it, hallelujah. God in us. Man, we know this man because of that. Okay. So verse 2, a certain lame man. Uh, from his mother's womb was carried when they had laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked an alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said look on us and he gave unheed unto them expecting to receive something of them now he was obviously expecting the wrong thing but he but I want you to notice something about this man is that he had grown used to receiving. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ just are not used to receiving. And so they're not expecting because they're not used to receiving. But if we even get, you know, any area. So getting used to receiving words of knowledge. Get, that helps us expect in every area. Getting used to receiving, you know, uh, an answer to prayer when we pray for our kids for healing. Whatever we're used to receiving, it will. But this man, it made, him easy, it made it easy for him when they said, well, we don't have silver and gold, but we will give you something. So he's still expecting. Uh-huh. So he's got his expector turned on. Hallelujah. Yeah, he had expectation. And then in Psalm 62, 50, that brings me to there. It says, my expectation is from the Lord. My expectation is from the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. Say, my expectation, my expectation is, from the Lord. is from the Lord. Say, surprise me, Lord, surprise me, Lord. with your goodness. With your I believe saying surprise me with your goodness on a daily basis and even several times a day, what is the, one of the things it does is it gets us expecting. We're expecting every day that God's going to do something and, uh, good for us. And sometimes it's huge and sometimes it's, it's very little. I mean, it's a small thing, not very, he does very little. No, I mean, he does a small thing or sometimes he does many small things or sometimes he does, uh, you know, hallelujah. But he's always surprising Pastor and I now with his goodness. And part of it is, I, uh, actually, it, there has been an increase of the things that God has been doing for us on a daily basis. It's not just that we're recognizing it more, although we are that too. We're watching for it. But also, there has been an increase of it just from speaking it and expecting it. And so I want to encourage you in that way. You know, this is not something new. Y'all remember Brother Oral Roberts? He's been gone on to be with the Lord now. But does anybody remember his theme song? Y'all are young, I know, so I'm not. No? And now they, they own, if you go to YouTube, it says Benny Hinn's song. But it wasn't Benny Hinn's song. It's Oral Roberts' song. Huh? Something good is going to happen to you. Remember it? Now that we sang it? No, the queen is too young. <laughs> she doesn't remember it. So uh, something good is going to happen to you. He built his ministry on something good is going to happen to you. Every day on TV, something good is going to happen to you. 
Hallelujah. Getting people expecting. Amen. Hallelujah. And, uh, so one of the ways that we can get expecting is, uh, and especially expecting something good to happen to us each day so that he's surprising us with his goodness, is we got to go back to the foundation of who God is. Because his goodness is not something he does occasionally. It's who he is. And so if we are walking in relationship to him every day, goodness should not be hard for us to believe. Hallelujah. It just cannot be any other way. I am a child of God. I'm the son of the Most High God. Hallelujah. And I'm not just, I'm not just having a powerless, uh, a powerless, um, huh? help me. Powerless existence, good. But that was the, the word I'm looking for is impersonal. I'm not just having a powerless, impersonal relationship with a God I've heard about, know about, and have heard preached about in the traditions of religion, but I'm connecting my heart to this, this God of mine every day. And I, I, I told some people Sunday night that sometimes I, when I, I always make a, a conscious effort, now that I heard Bill Johnson say it, I have made, and we, we played it on a DVD, remember? Or a, we had a video of it one night where he said, the main thing of every day is connect your heart to God. Well, what I see when I see it is I visualize myself in front of God and I, I see my arms just and my, uh, the arms of my heart, not my literal arms, but the arm, I just see my heart just, just encompass God. And I can tell if I've made that connection. There's times I, I don't feel the connection. And so if I don't, I pursue further and I make that connection. Hallelujah. Another way I see it, and this is, this really is, is beneficial in seeing your heart connect to God. Has anybody ever seen one of those bracelets? You men ever seen one of those bracelets that's magnetic? And you can put that about far, that far apart, and it'll pull itself together. You know, those magnetic bracelets? Okay. Okay. Well, that's, it's like God has a magnet in his heart, and it just, when I just want to, it, I want to connect to you, Lord, my heart just goes, it's like, if you can't see it that way, see it like a railroad two railroad cars coming together and when they bump up against each other they click and connect hallelujah well see your heart click in and connect to God and if it doesn't if you don't sense that in your spirit that you had a good connection then pursue or find out why or you know hallelujah glory to God and I do that in praise and worship always connecting several times during praise and worship wanting to connect to God Connect to God. Don't matter what we're singing. Don't matter if you ever sing a word. You know, just connect. Make the connection. Hallelujah. I've gotten inspired by that. So goodness is not something he does occasionally, but who he is. We do not have a lame duck God. We were in prayer the other day. Those words came out of my mouth. I had never thought of it. We do not have a lame duck God. Ever, anybody ever heard of a lame duck president? Do y'all know what a lame duck president is? No, you don't. Okay, a lame duck president is one that, for through different circumstances, he's not able to accomplish anything in his administration. You know, it might be because of the midterm elections and the House and Senate are now controlled by a different party. That could be it. There's other things that can cause a lame duck presidency. Happens all the time has happened many times down through history. But we don't have a lame duck God. 
who is unable to get something accomplished in our behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, but a lot of people believe, they, they don't know they're believing in a lame duck God, but where miracles and healing are concerned, they think they have a lame duck God. They have a God, but he's lame in those areas. He can't, he doesn't do that. But we don't have that kind of God. Hallelujah. Uh, God does not withhold his goodness. Psalm 84, 11 says, No good thing will he withhold from those, them that walk uprightly. No good thing. Oh, so he'll never withhold his goodness from me. I love that song. Uh, uh, his love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Hallelujah. We need to get established in his goodness, but we also get, get established in how much he loves us. His love and his goodness will never give up. It'll never back off. It'll never run out. It'll never give up on me, no matter what I've done, no matter how far I strayed away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, he'll let me live below the standard of, of, of heaven if I want to. He will let me, he, you know, he's, he will let us backslide if we want to. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If I live in reaction to the powers of darkness, then my expectation is off. Then I have more expectation in the devil than I do in God. And I think most of us are converts from that. That at one time, at one time even in our Christian walk, we, were, we expected more from the devil. We were afraid of the devil. I know in our Bible study in Seagraves, Texas, when we were very uh, young in the things of the Spirit, well, I know uh, Pastor uh, at that time, you know, teaching Bible study, we didn't know anything, but we would pray sometimes very boldly. And we had this lady in our Bible study, and as she came up in Pentecost, and she was like, Oh, Michael, don't say that. That'll make the devil attack you. A lot of the church is afraid to even pray things boldly that it'll sick the it'll make the devil come at them more. I hadn't you ever heard? Well, the reason I'm under attack is because I'm living right. Well, I don't really believe that. I believe people that aren't living right are under more attack. The Bible says the way of transgressor is hard. Pastor said that Sunday. I don't really believe that we get more under attack. I do believe at every level that you move up to that you're going to have to overcome the giants in the land. You know what I'm saying? You move up a level from where you've been walking and you begin to have more revelation, but just walk closer. You know, sometimes one reason we have so much trouble is we're trying to have, we're trying to walk in this new level, but we're trying to do it without walking any closer being, you know, more time with Jesus. So, so the more we realize that we're sons, the more we will expect. You know, one of our problems on expectation is the fact that nearly everybody in this room, not all, but nearly everybody in this room grew up in poverty. We were taught because we grew up in poverty not to expect. I mean, you think about it. I would not even, I never even told my parents what I wanted for my birthday. It was, I knew. Now, now sometimes I did, you know, I got nice things. When I was going to turn 16, I got a little Ford Falcon, you know. And one time, right in February, when I was fixing to graduate from high school, I got a brand new Chevrolet Malibu. 
Uh, yeah, nice. It was nice. And then Pastor wrecked it after we got married. <laughs> Which I didn't really get mad at him for that. What I got mad at him about was buying me a, a Mercury Cougar to replace it. <laughs> it was new, but it was two-door. And, you know, hallelujah. Two-door cars and babies don't mix very well. <laughs> hallelujah. So, anyway, <clears throat> I have to throw in a little of that stuff just for entertain y'all. And to entertain y'all. Okay, um, so, but we grew up in poverty and we learned not to expect. But let me tell you something. Rich kids expect. R rich kids expect. Just, I, I cannot bear the Kardashians. I would rather eat a bullfrog. But, you know, I have seen just barely enough to know those people have, expect, they, they expect. People that are wealthy expect. Well, we are the sons of an extremely wealthy God. And we have to, those of us that grew up in poverty, we got to change and start expecting. Expecting God's goodness. But, you know, you were like, don't expect too much for Christmas. Is that correct? And some of us to more degrees than others. I mean, I know... Eric and Colin didn't grow up in the poverty mentality that we grew up in, but I wouldn't say they grew up into, uh, they, they, there was room for improvement even in their growing up. Amen? So uh, that's one of the things that has caused us to not be very expectant. But just remember, God is, uh, he's not a earthly father. Amen? Uh, we, so we expect to experience his goodness ourselves, but we also expect to give, give away his goodness. Amen. As long as we believe Jesus is the only one who could do miracles because he was the only one who had no sin, then we're not understanding the new birth. I was listening, I was reading on a blog about uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, one lady was telling about, well, how they celebrated Thanksgiving. I was really looking at it for the recipes, but she was telling some of their traditions. And so they told what they were thankful for. And I'm thinking, I, I understand, but we as Christians, and especially as spirit-filled Christians, especially as everything we've been given, we on, on Thanksgiving this year, I want you to go beyond the surface. I believe God wants us to be thankful. I, I, you, I never heard anybody say, well, I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm thankful I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. But let God really rise up in your heart, and what are you truly thankful for and and one thing that this blog said and it, it is humorous and he was a little boy i get it but i think a lot of big boys and girls are not much different he said i'm thankful she said about three years ago he said i'm thankful for iron man and i'm like okay uh, you know and that was cute it was funny i'm not you know but uh sometimes if you're asked at your thanksgiving this year I know sometimes even in our family, we've been so surface. Well, I'm thankful for my family. Well, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> 
And I think it's good to express it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but instead of I'm thankful for my family, how about I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. And this is what, go, go deeper. Go deeper. Don't live on the surface of Christianity. You've been given a bunch. You've been given something. Hallelujah. As long as we believe Jesus is the only one that can do miracles because he was the only one that lived a, lived a sin, sinless life. I'm so thankful for the new birth. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for where he's brought River Church this past year. It is amazing the ground we have taken in one year. It is. It is totally amazing. I'm so thankful that God caused us to, you know, we pray, Lord, lead us. Lead us to the right book. Lead us to the right something that gets us to the next place that you want us to be. And he did. He did. Amen. So we're developing here at River Church an appetite for miracles. I have an appetite that is increasing all the time. Aren't you? For miracles. But, you know, to keep that appetite growing, we have to focus on it all the time. So we need to sing it, pray it, watch it, talk of it, look at, and look at it. I want to encourage you to look at it in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I, I really think sometimes, I know we were taught, you know, stay in the epistles. Because that's God's words to the church. Y'all... And I love the epistles. I absolutely love the epistles. I find myself wanting to go there. Sometimes I find myself thinking, but the chapters are so long in Luke, Lord. It takes forever to read a chapter in Luke. You know, Luke was wordy, wasn't he? Hallelujah. It was like he was filling out doctor's reports or something. You know, he was a doctor. And so, but that's where the miracles are. That's where the miracles are. So tonight we're going to watch a short video, and it's Tommy Welchel. And he, his grandparents and his mama were at Azusa Street. And uh, I might, you might not know this, but you'll hear him briefly refer to it. But uh, the old-timers of Azusa Street, after the revival had um, transitioned or whatever, and they were getting older, they lived in community together. And I don't really know why, and I think it was, a, it was called Pigsa, P-I-G-S-A-H, Pigsa, and where they lived. And, I, I, and they lived there, I think probably because they were very misunderstood, and so they wanted to live together with those that knew and had seen what they had seen. And uh, so Tommy grew up living there, and so he, heard, he didn't see, this, see these things, but he heard the stories. He heard the stories of Azusa Street. And his, his, de his uh, destiny, his assignment from God is to tell the stories. Keep telling the stories of Azusa Street, to keep it alive. And we're the same with our generation. You know, if we don't keep it alive and let this slip, it'll be lost. So we got to keep it alive in our families. And, and, and we got to keep it alive until we see it in its total glory and total manifestation. Though it, Terry, we'll wait for it. We'll keep pushing on the thousand-pound rock 
until we can move the 500 pound rock and then we'll push on a 2,000 pound rock so we can be able to, to push on a 1,000 pound rock. And we will never, ever, ever form our theology around what didn't happen. Hallelujah. If it doesn't happen, we just pick up and we push on. Hallelujah. And we will never, ever, ever explain it away and tell people, well, I think this is the reason I don't have miracles in my ministry or my life or uh, whatever. No, we just going to... We're going to keep seeking the answer till we find the answer. Going after the keys till we get the keys. But I believe exposing ourselves to miracles is important. So this won't be long because Barry thankfully cut out all the commercials. And uh, hallelujah. You'll enjoy it. Hello. Good right here. Welcome. Welcome to my world where it's naturally supernatural. My guest is the last living. Just shoot right out, and he in trouble. He was an alcoholic. He uh, he he had he was a drug addict. Uh, he he was homeless. And some women from the Azusa Street Revival felt sorry for him, led him to the Lord, set him free. And these were elderly people that actually were part of the Azusa Street Revival. And they told Tommy, I, your job is to tell the next generation where the greatest move of God's Spirit to ever hit planet Earth just before Jesus comes to tell these stories. Uh, Tommy, why did they want you to tell these stories? Because they believed they were anointed and it was going to set forth the revival. Uh, when I tell these stories now, Sid, things start happening. People start getting healed. And people start getting ministries themselves, supernaturally, especially when I pray a prayer of importation on them. Well, I'm going to have Tommy do that in a little while. But Tommy, tell me about William Seymour, who started the revival. Seymour is the son of a slave. He wasn't that awful educated, but listen, they said that when the anointing come on him, he started preaching, and man, he'd say words so everybody could understand it, but they were so intelligent. Had an anointing on him all the time, and he was obedient. I don't know that if a pastor could get away with this today, but he had sat on a, a pew and put a box on his head. What kind of box? A wooden box. Why, why did he do that? Well, he said God told him to. And sometimes he'd sit there for 10 minutes, and they said he'd sit there before for over an hour. While all the people were there, he said, how would you like to be, have a wooden box over your head, and you sit there praying in a supernatural language for an hour while the congregation is just sitting there? Now, when he'd take the box off, what would happen? Well, he'd always get up, and then everybody would sit down and start listening. And a lot of times he'd start just walk around, finally he'd tell, he'd say, Charles, Charles. he's talking to Brother Signs, play this tune. And when Charles Signs would start playing the tune, he said he wouldn't be long. And he said, Brother Tommy, I just sit back and watch my fingers play. And the people in the audience says it sounded like a thousand pianos playing. Hmm. 
And he said he was sitting and looking at the people finally. He said, now start singing in tongues. And when they start, what well, he say in the spirit, but that meant tongues. When they start singing in tongues, that Shekinah glory that lingered on the floor would start rising and it would fill the whole building. And then a flame would shoot up out of the roof, a big flame. Had the fire department called many times. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> yeah. All right, it would shoot out of the roof. And But you told me another flame, uh, a bolt of lightning almost would come from heaven. Explain that. Well, it would shoot up about 50 feet, they said. And then about 50 feet from that, a ball of fire would appear. And flames would start shooting down and go through the flames that were coming up. What were these flames? What was the point of this? Well, I know uh, I had a Jewish rabbi explain to me that there are flaming angels mingling through each other in the Bible. This is, this is known. He said those angels, that the flames that were shooting down were angels bringing miracles to Azusa Street and the ones going up were going back to get more miracles. And that's during that time of the flames is when the great miracles would happen. The, the now, now, they had wonderful, creative miracles. It's going to be hard for you to believe. T tell me about the man that had an artificial arm. He had had his, even his shoulder blade here ripped out at a job. And back then, they didn't have the benefits they had now. He had an artificial arm hanging on it, but it was starting to really give him some trouble. And Seymour said, well, y'all need to take the artificial arm off. And he looked at the audience and said, y'all want to have some fun like we did about a year ago when the man's leg grew out? He said, well, we're going to. And he laid his hands on his shoulder. Brother Garcia looked down and said, Brother Tommy, I could look down into that hole in his shoulder and see the bone. He said he started praying for it and said all of a sudden the bone started growing out. In about four inches, the flesh started growing around it. And he said, I sat there, it took only seconds, but him, it was slow motion. And he watched it as it just grew out. And he says, then he watched his, the fingernails appeared all of a sudden. You know, you know, if that would happen for me, I'd put a wooden box on your head, on my head. <laughs> would you do it? I know you would. We'll be right back. I can't wait for him to pray for this impartation for you. Yeah. This is so amazing. Three of the generals that had been at the Azusa Street Revival, that were part of the revival that was spreading throughout the United States, that just didn't even know each other was prophesying this, all prophesied the same thing about a great revival that was coming. What was the prophecy? That in about a hundred years, there would be a revival like Azusa Street, only greater, that would return and greater, greater miracles, and it wouldn't be in one place with one person. It would be all over the world, said. Regular people, regular church members, even children, older people, even people in nursing homes would start having healing ministries there. Mm. And it would last until the second coming of the Lord. How far off is that revival, in your opinion? I believe it's starting now. I've seen I it. I do, places. too. I've seen some creative miracles. Shawnee, Oklahoma, you should have seen some miracles I saw. Tell me one. 
Okay, one, a young man, 17 years old. It looked like a nest had been carved in his back. He, he came up, this, this, this young minister, when he heard my stories, people started getting healed. The young man didn't, he didn't touch the young man, but the young man didn't, he fell out of the spirit, but he didn't go forward or backward. He fell sideways. When he got up, his back was perfectly straight. I'm healed. But, you know, that is a miracle. But what I want you to hear is uh, this, this is almost hard to believe. Tell me about the person whose face supernaturally became normal. No plastic surgery. Supernaturally. You, you mean like the elephant man? Yes. Well, th this man, his chin dropped down to about here. How he ate, I don't know. And, and even those people at Azusa told me they didn't know. But they started praying for him, and then you could hear bones popping, and, and his chin started coming back up. And with just in a few minutes, he was normal. And, and, and Lucille said he was really kind of attractive. Well, speaking of attractive, even a movie star that had a horrible accident, yes. Robert Montgomery. Tell me, what, what happened to him as a child? Most well, people don't know this. He, he had had a, had fallen and his head had hit on concrete and it had busted his head. They said, you could see skull and you could even see some brain matter coming out. Hmm. Well, mama didn't run him to the hospital. She ran down to Azusa Street and took him in there and they started praying for the kid and things started coming back in and it went together and when he grew up he was one of Hollywood's golden boys Robert Montgomery listen to this many of these saints had like specialties just like in the natural a medical doctor uh, might be a specialist for heart a specialist for skin well those that have gifts of the spirit have different specialties. That's true. Tell me about the woman that had a specialty for teeth. That's Lucille. Now, now Lucille was only four foot ten, but she would tell me. She says, "Tommy, I, I even played games with it." She says, "She would get people with no teeth. She wouldn't pray for all the teeth to come back in. She prayed for one at a time." She wanted to put her finger down on the tooth, push down, pray for God to grow it back and have the tooth push her finger up. It should go around the mouth, bottom and top. It takes some time, but she had fun doing it. There were, there were young people that would be just playing in the glory. Explain that. Well, that was uh, Ralph Riggs and uh, C.W. Ward. Now, not C.M. Ward, C.W. Okay. That, when, when that... Glory would get so thick. Ralph told me you, sometimes you couldn't see more than 10 foot from you. He said him and Ralph would, would play hide and go seek until their parents, their mothers found out, caught them, and then put a stop to it. Tell me about Goldie, who had a specialty for growths. Goldie, Goldie that's the one that, 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 that led me to the Lord at Venice and brought me to Pisgah. She even would take a little dustpan and put it in a towel and throw it away. People with growths going out all over them. She, she just loved praying for them. She said she'd stand there and watch them and they're just falling off. And some of them, you could hear the little clicks as they hit the ground. And she would get them and sweep them. She didn't want them laying around there, you know, rotting and getting bad. She'd clean them up and put them in a towel, go them, throw them in the trash. And how, how about the, uh, the woman 
who had her ear off. She, she had caught her husband with another woman, and the other woman and the wife got into a fight, and the other woman bit the wife's ear off. She had come to Azusa Street. Sister Carney saw her come in with a, a bloody bandage over her ear. And she said, you could see she was in tremendous pain. So she went up to her and said, to minister to her. And she told her what had happened. She said she pulled it back and said, Tommy, it looked like a raw piece of meat. There was nothing there, just a raw piece of meat. Well, she started praying for it. And the woman said, oh, oh I feel tingling and the pain's all gone. The pain is gone. So she said she yanked it back and looked. And right before her eyes, that was her first creative miracle. She said, the ear, a brand new ear. Now, for those that don't know, Pisca was the place where, like the retirement place, where all the elderly saints were, where Tommy heard these stories and received these, this amazing impartation from all of these people that had these miracle ministries. I'm going to ask him to pray for you when we come back. All right, Sid Roth here with Tommy Welsh. Right now. You've seen people on television where they've been prayed for and they've been overcome by the presence of God. What would happen if this happened miles away because the power of God was so strong? You can't say that the evangelists pushed them down. Tommy, what would happen at Azusa Street? Uh, how far away was the train station? Six blocks six blocks. What would happen at the train station from the glory that was at Azusa Street? People were coming to Azusa Street. They, they, they were riding the train and it was, they'd get off and start walking on the platform and falling out, speaking in tongues. And some, some of the innocent workers were close to them. It would happen to them too. And David Garcia came by and saw it. He thought a disaster had happened. And he'd go up and examine them and he'd realize that there's they're just speaking in tongues. <laughs> Let those disasters happen. Speaking of David Garcia, tell me about the time he prayed for the man with the hole in the stomach. That was something else. He said he had a big handkerchief hanging down over his stomach and it didn't smell too good. Well, he came up and asked the man, he says, what is your problem? He said, well, he told him, he, he said he picked up the gizzard and looked under and he says, his entrails just hung out. I'm gonna pray over you, sir. Hung down on his side, and he said. So he put the the, the, the flat back down and put his hand on it and started praying, and he could feel his hand going in. And all of a sudden, he says there was nobody. So he just grabbed it, and put it back up. There wasn't even a hole. It just closed up. It right closed in front up. Of him. His, his entrails went back into his stomach, and it closed up. And, and you know, one of the things that impressed me, Tommy. A lot of the people that God were using were young people, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds. 11-year-olds. Uh, tell me about someone 11 years old. Ralph Riggs. Ralph said one of his biggest miracles, and, and he, 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 an old drunk had come in off the street, stunk of alcohol. A very giant of a man, about six foot four, maybe 250 pounds. Ralph didn't like it, but then all of a sudden he got closer and realized the man was blind, stone blind. So he had more compassion. One of them says, what did you come here for? What did you come here for? He says, well, the people are telling me people, it's just, people come in here and, and they get healed. He said, I want to be, I want my eyes healed. Okay. He said, okay, let's pray. Let's pray. He prayed for the man. 
His eyes got healed. Even the stench of alcohol left. And later on, through the Midwest, he had great revivals with the Assemblies of God. Even my hometown. He established a church there. And, and you know what's so wonderful? Not only did Tommy hear these miracle stories, but these elderly people retained their anointing. Yes. So uh, you actually saw miracles actually before your very eyes. Tell me one. But there was a, there was a, a couple that was brought from England. The child was a grayish color. He had some kind of blood disease. He wasn't supposed to be alive. Well, they brought him there, and of course, they came up and says, we want to see Sister Dundee. I said, oh, yeah, I'll go get her. And I, I got all excited, so I ran, and I found Sister Dundee, and literally dragging her over there. And I says, they got their sixth child. I said, give them the child. She took the child and didn't raise it. She just prayed for it, and she sat there. Finally, she just handed it back and said, okay, the child is healed. <laughs> Gave it back to him. She turned and walked on back, went into the church. And I'm standing there upset. I said, I want to see the baby. The woman raised the baby, and oh, she about dropped it. It looked normal. Yeah. And it was just laughing and going on. So I played with it, and, it, and we had a good time. Uh, you know what I think is so wonderful? Tommy, sometimes when he prays for people, he then prays for the impartation and others pray. Tell me about in Banning, California, the 13-year-old girl. The little girl. I really love this, this story because, see, it's revival that broke loose after I left. Her, her, her pastor, youth pastor, had hurt his leg in a football game, and he had it in a cast. Well, when I was speaking, I had him come down and sit in a certain area, and I said, now you people up there, you pray. And I said, I mean you young people, as well as these older ones. You pray, and if God tells you to go, leads you to go pray for somebody, obey, go down and pray for them. Well, this little girl got up, and she looked about 10, but she was 13. She walked down there, laid hands on this man, and all of a sudden he started jerking, and he went yelling, get the cast off. They busted this cast off, and he started dancing around the church. It took me a while to get him to get that little girl over to me. Everybody was going crazy. And I said, sweetheart, how old are you? She said, 13. I said, did you know you can do this anywhere, anytime? She took puzzle. She said, anywhere, anytime? I said, yes. Said she went to her school, and she was the what we call the towel girl. Right. You've seen these little girls handing to, okay, the quarterback got injured bad. They had him up on the gurney. She walked up to him and says, I believe in divine healing. I believe if I pray for you, you will be supernaturally healed. Would you like for me to pray for you? She said he grunted out a yes. She laid hands on him and prayed for him. He got healed. He got up in the next play. It was him out there playing. Not only one time, two times, another player got healed. Pray for that impartation. Look into the camera and pray for the impartation. I am now praying for God to move in a supernatural way. Those saints laid their hands on me and imparted supernatural anointings on me. And now I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing for you. I'm going to pray right now and ask God to come supernaturally upon you to receive 
supernatural gifts and you work in this same anointing that was at Azusa Street in Jesus' name right now. Now listen, there is somebody out there that is laying on a couch and you're very ill. Doctors say you're not going to live. You're a man. You're going to live. Start saying, I will live and not die. Start getting up and you will be healed. Do it by faith now in Jesus' name. It's time for that hundred year pro But you know, you got to lay hold of it. We got to just, we just got to receive it. It is so easy. And I'll tell you, Debbie and I believe that the same Azusa Street anointing, a hundred and something years later, it's got to last, it's got to land somewhere. I believe it lands where people are ready and prepared and, and want it. I believe it's us. You say, well, what if it isn't? Well, let's just contend for it anyway. <laughs> and if it didn't, we'll do the best we can. But if it is, whew, let's make Acts 29 a reality in our lives. Uh, I, do I need, what kind, of, what kind of wood do you think that box was? I, I can, it's, just, it's just crazy stuff that God uses. Uh, I read about that, that he went to a time where he didn't, they, they talked him into not putting the box on. So they were there several years. And so he, he yielded to that because they said, you know, Brother Seymour, that box makes everything look silly and stuff. So he took the box off and everything went down. Put the box back on, everything went back up. The box had nothing. It was just doing what God says. And that's what we're doing here at River Church is we're just, we're asking no questions. We're just, whatever you say, Lord, whatever you say, we're going to do it. And we're on track. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, y'all are such a blessing.